Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. One of the good things about living in New England is there are so many things, uh, really cool things that are fairly close to where we live. When I grew up in Kansas City, if you wanted to go to the mountains, you had to drive at least eight hours west. But here, you can be in the mountains in an hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending where you want to go. And so, over the years, uh, my family uh, has been able to do quite a bit of hiking. We like to hike in the White Mountains. It's pretty tough hiking sometimes. But when you start off hiking, you know, it's, it's usually you're, you're at the bottom and you're, it's the trees all around, you know, and, and uh, so you take off and you're excited about it. And it can be fairly steep, even the trees, but you know, you go and you think, man, I'm making good progress, but you're sweating. Well, I'm sweating. Uh, my wife isn't. But we, um, uh, you know, you go and then finally you reach that point where you, you start to break out of the trees. And you see, wow, we've come a long ways. We're, we're a long ways up, because look at the view. You can see it, it's amazing. And, and then you turn, and you, but you look back up where you still got to go. And it's like, wait a minute. I got to still go all the way up there? You know, and, and the way I figure it, you know, and when I, this hike particularly one that I'm showing here, when we broke out of the trees, I probably had three to 4,000 more steps I had to take. Seriously. And there's no other way around it, is it? If you want to settle for the views there, you're fine. But if you want to get to the top, it's a, a nitty-gritty truth. Nitty-gritty meaning, you know, getting down to the root issue here, not the side issues, not the, the, the root issues. If I'm going to make it to the top, I have to put one foot in front of another, in front of another, and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. And it's at this point that the trail often becomes harder because now you break out in the sun and the sun is beating down on you. It's, it's the rocks and the trail and, and your, your legs start hurting and, and, and I get, you know, it's this really weird thing because, you know, I think, okay, I want to slow down and take my time. But then I say, if I do that, my wife's going to beat me up the mountain, and, which she usually does anyway. But so, but in other words, you're working at it, working at it, you know, man, at some point you feel like, is this ever going to come to an end? But finally, you make it to the summit. And it's worth it. That's why you took the hike to begin with, you know, to see it, to be up there, and, and to share that experience with the other people in your lives. And, and it's still going to be worth it the next morning when you can't get out of bed. Well, in some ways, this reminds me of the things we've been talking about in this sermon series, getting past your past. Because there are times in our lives, you know, if we come to Christ, okay, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, I don't know, but we come to Christ and maybe in the middle of our problems or the problems, it doesn't matter, but we come to Christ, you know, we realize that, that we couldn't save ourselves, we we know we've sinned against God. We trust Christ as Savior, His death for our sins, and, and we become a believer. But whether immediately or later in life, all of a sudden one morning it's like we wake up and we find ourselves at the bottom of a cliff. Not quite sure how we got there. We feel like we might have fallen off it. 
You know, our hearts feel that way, our minds feel that way. And so we don't know how we got there, but the bigger question is, how do I get back up to the top? How do I get back up where I'm supposed to be? And this is where this whole thing that we're talking about comes into play. I mean, have you ever felt that way in life? Maybe you didn't think of it that way, but felt like, you know, hey, I think I fell off a cliff and I don't know how to get back up. And this has been pretty hurtful and I feel that, you know, I'm stuck. I mean, have you ever, like, all of a sudden seen that you're in a real mess? I'm not sure how you got there. Wondering how you get out of it. I have, for sure. You know, it, it could be things like this. Maybe you come to, in your life, all of a sudden you come to a realization that you have consistently hurt the people that you love. Or maybe it's the other way around, that the, the people you love continually hurt you, or a mixture of both. You know, maybe you come to a recognition that your approach to life just isn't working anymore. And when you think about it, you realize it never did work very well. You're stuck. You, know, you, you wonder, are you stuck with your continual poor choices? Are you stuck there? How, the, the way you try to solve a problem or escape the problem only seems to make it worse. Have you ever found yourself there? I have. And you start to see a pattern that looks pretty dark and hopeless. Teens, listen, teens. Maybe you see, you know, one day all of a sudden you realize that, that this person that you're trying to be so that everyone else will accept you isn't the person you really are. And you're deathly afraid that if the people around you knew who you really are, that you'd become an outcast in a hurry. Maybe you're getting up in years, like some of us are. Maybe you're getting up in years and you start to realize that things are not going to end well, that you are going to uh, come to the end of your life with a mountain of regrets. You're stuck. And, and you, you just can't seem to get past your past. You're, you're at the bottom of the cliff. You're unsure how you got there and you're even more unsure about how to get back up to the top. And then you start imagining things, and you think things like, oh, wait, maybe, maybe a helicopter rescue, you know, like you see on TV. They're going to come and they rescue me. And then you're going to say, oh, no, that's not happening, is it? If you've been watching too much TV and you're watching Once Upon a Time, all of a sudden it crosses your mind that maybe if you could find some pixie dust, <laughs> you could fly back up to the top, right? But no. That's not happening either, is it? You might say, well, that's silly. I would never think something like that. But, you know, I, I say that we think this way all the time. By nature, we think this way all the time. Not pixie dust, but the reality is that we don't change our approach to life. And then we hope that someone or something will come along and rescue us from it. Something will come along and just fix the problem for us. Maybe it'll just go away. So we just try to ignore it. But the truth is this, that that is wishful thinking, folks. It's la-la land. And it's not happening. It's not going to happen. 
And this is where you have to face a nitty-gritty truth. You're at the bottom of this cliff, and the only way for you to get back up is to put your boots on, lace them up, and start putting one foot in front of the other and go through what it takes to get to the top. There is no other way. And what we're looking at here today is, is that, that there is no other way. If you want to get past your past, you have to understand there is no quick fix. There's no quick fix. I mean, there might be times when you can make really significant progress. You know, so you find a burst of energy in your life and you, you go and, and, and you learn something from the Word of God and, and it's almost like a miraculous change. Those things happen. But you're never going to get past your past. You're never going to get to where you really want to be and where God intends for you to be without having part of that be just a long journey in the right direction, one step after another. There is no other way. And it'll be exhausting sometimes. Difficult, but a journey that is well worth it. Do you get the idea? You see, God has a prescription for your problem. But it's not a magic pill. Uh, it's the perfect prescription. It always addresses the real issues, those deep down issues in your life that hold you back. Not side issues, not surface issues, but the nitty-gritty issues, the real issues that you have to address. And so it's not pretty, it's not romantic, but it's real. It's a nitty-gritty prescription that God calls us to. Turn in your Bibles now. Let's look and see what God says about this. John chapter 17. It's page 1245 in the Bible that's in the pew there. We'd encourage you to follow along with us. Uh, other verses today will be on the screen, but these are in that Bible. Page 1245, John chapter 17. Now, John chapter 17 is of note because this is the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Now, we think of the Lord's Prayer as, as, you know, our Father who art in heaven, that, that prayer. That's really a model prayer that the Lord gave. This is His prayer, the longest prayer of His that we have in the Bible. He's been with His disciples his trial and crucifixion and resurrection is, is right in front of him. And now he prays to his father. And he prays for us. As well as his, his disciples there at the time. Let me read, starting in verse 14. He says, I have given them, and them is his disciples, and includes you and me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Verse number 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. So he's prayed this for me. He prayed this for you. Let's go back and, and, and walk our way through it a little bit. Verse 14, I've given them your word. It's interesting, of all the things that he says he's given them to the Father, what's he bring up? And he said, I could have given them lots of things. I've given them, no, I've given them your, what? Your word. And he says, the world hates you because of it. 
And just understand, this is not what we want to focus on today, but just when you got saved, God took you out of Satan's kingdom and put you into his. So you made peace with God and made enemies elsewhere. And we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. But so know that you, you have an enemy now in the world. But you don't have to be afraid of that. And, and then he says, I, God, I, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil. Take that away from them. Because the reality is, it's the time that we spent in Satan's kingdom, in the world, that did such a number on us and hurt us. Our choices, our responses to things that happened to us. But then he comes down to verse 17, and this is what he prays for us. Those of us who are in this situation, he says this, Sanctify them by your truth, your word, your word is truth. And that's his nitty-gritty prescription for us. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Well, now sanctify is a nice religious word, isn't it? Okay? Uh, but very simply, it means to make holy. And to make holy means he's, he's purifying us for God's use and, and for God's purposes. So when God is sanctifying us, you know, we had this life, you know, we were born with a sinful nature, we lived it out, we made all sorts of bad choices, people made bad choices that hurt us, we got all this junk in our lives, all the wrong ways we learned to respond, habits, all this kind of stuff. And when God begins to sanctify us, what he does, he begins to work on this and begins to, to remove things. And some maybe good things he strengthens. And then he reshapes. This is what he means. He's working on our lives, see, to, to prepare us to be what he wants us to be, which is really what we want to be deep down inside. To experience the life that he has for us. And so this is what it means when he says sanctify them. He's talking about purifying. Let me just put it in. It, to me, it's, it's a little uh, very practical terms. In other words, when he sanctifies us, he meets us in our mess. And he works with us in our mess and, and, and works in us through our mess so that there's less and less mess. Don't you like how that rhymes? Less and less mess. It gets better and then there's more and more blessed. That's what sanctifying is about. That's the prescription to work us out of our mess. And the central ingredient of this prescription is truth. Truth is what you need so you can get unstuck from your past. Above all else, you need truth. And Jesus tells us where we find the truth. Where do we find the truth according to what Jesus just said? In his word, okay? This is the truth that you need. This is the truth that God is going to use to get you unstuck. Now, maybe some of you here today saying, what, that's it? The Bible? You know, I've read the Bible. You're telling me, I come to church, think I'm really looking for a solution. Finally, you're saying, read your Bible. Well, I'm not really saying it that way. But the reality is that, yes, the Bible, the Word of God, this is the truth, and this is what God is going to use to get you out of your mess and to where He wants you to be and where you want to be. And so if you're struggling with the Bible, well, let me ask, what do you want? What are you looking for, magic? 
you know? If you want magic, try the movies, right? Movies tell great stories in exciting ways. They provide real great solutions to huge problems all in the matter of a couple hours. Magic. But we all know the truth about magic, don't we? It's wishful thinking. It's not real. So if you want magic, go to the movies. But if you're looking for life change, if you're looking for a way to, to escape this mess that has you know, held you captive in your life so you can go on in a different way in life, if you're looking for life change, then you have to go to God's Word. You have to go to the Bible. You see, the Bible, this book is not magical, but it's powerful. You know, God has put some of his own life in it somehow to where it, it is alive. It, 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 it isn't just ink on a page. It, it isn't just some nice thoughts written by some old men with gray beards. Consider how the author of Hebrews describes it. He says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. And get this, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, the Word of God deals with spiritual issues and physical, practical issues in life. It makes distinctions that you and I aren't able to make. And we, you know, when I think about my soul and my spirit, I, I can't make the distinction. Was that my soul? Was that my spirit? But God makes the distinction in His Word. And then that last, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So we don't like to be exposed. Do you, do you like to be exposed? You know, you find yourself in a situation where, you know, maybe you've been real honest with someone, you know, your, your husband, your wife, a friend, and you said, oh, man, I really hate, you know, situations like such and such, and you describe it. And then you find yourself with that person in a situation where someone says, oh, if they're doing this, that, and the other thing, I hope you're fine with that. And you go, yeah, I'm fine. And then your friend goes, no, you're not. You were just telling me you don't like to do stuff like, shh, shh, shh. You ever had that happen to you? We don't like to be exposed. But when it comes to the issues of our lives that we need to escape from, the desires and the thoughts of our hearts need to be exposed so we can know what they really are because we can lie to ourselves about it, can't we? We can fool ourselves about what's really going on inside. But God's word doesn't mess around. It tells us the truth. So this book, the Bible, then is crucial for us. It is crucial if we're ever going to be sanctified. In other words, if we're going to let God into our mess, and let him help us out until there's less and less mess and more and more blessed. The word is essential. Because that's the only way we can get past our past. You see, in our own selves, we don't see the world the way it really is. I mean, some of you think, well, I'm a real logical thinker. You know, I'm, but you don't really see the world the way it is. We tend to see the world the way we think we need it to be. 
Now, we're a little ways in the sermon here, and it's at this point that, you know, I know your mind can start going places, but just stop for a minute. I want you to think. Our natural tendency is to see the world the way we think we need it to be. Not necessarily the way it is. In other words, we try to see the world in a way that, and interpret it so that it keeps us from feeling like we're losers, right? I, I don't want to feel like a loser. Therefore, okay, this is the way the world really is. And we come with all sorts of reason, excuses for why the way we are and all the things that have happened to us. Or sometimes we try to see the world in a way that justifies our choices and actions. You know, the world is this way because then if it's that way, then I am justified for what I've done. You know, I had to do that because, or well, they were dissing me big time, so I had to put a stop to it, or you fill in the blanks for yourself. Sometimes we try to see the world in a way that matches our own denial. Our denial. Hey, everything's great, no problem, it's all good. You know, it's like we create our own virtual reality goggles that allow us to say, hey, wow, man, this is awesome. No sweat, this is cool. But it's fake. It doesn't exist. It isn't real. And the big problem is that when we look at the world only through our eyes and deceive ourselves, we think we're making it okay. And we think we're justifying and rationalizing. You know, we think we can deny the things we don't want to be true. But the reality is this, that we're actually in a really bad place. But we keep looking at the world the way we want it to be. And we don't see the real mess that we're in. But praise the Lord. God offers us a better way. He offers us truth and the ability to see the truth and the ability to respond to the truth and to do something about it. And by the way, truth is a much better way to look at the world. Now, sometimes truth is a more painful way to look at the world for a while. And we think if we see the truth, it's going to be painful, and sometimes it is. But if you go through that pain, you'll end up where you want to be when you're living by the truth. Consider what God said. Let me back up just a moment. Sinfulness and deception always lead us in destructive directions. Hear that? Sinfulness and deceptive views of the world always lead us in destructive directions. Truth always leads us to a better place. Consider what God says about the way we naturally work at the world versus the way it really is, and the way God sees it. Isaiah chapter 55, he says this, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you understand that God has a much better view than you do? A much clearer perspective. Obviously, his is perfect. He sees everything the way it really, really is. Well, let me give you a good example of why you need to see the world according to the truth of God's word. I want to talk about learning to think right about the past, the present, and the future. Okay, it's crucial that we understand this. 
You see, we've had things happen in our past, haven't we? Things that happen in our past that shape how we feel, that shape how we think and our responses. It's brought scars into our lives. It's brought habits into our lives. It's built walls in our lives. All these things here in our past. But here's the truth. Remember, we need truth. The truth is, is that your past has zero control over you. Zero. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute, then why, why am I struggling here today? Well, I'll tell you why. Because, see, that your past cannot control you. It's done. It's gone, right? Anybody gone back to yesterday recently? If you have, we need to talk. <laughs> your past is gone. It has zero control over you. But what you believe today about the past will always control you. You understand that? Because what you believe today is what's going to make the difference. And so, when you think about the past, you know, all the things that have happened in your life, and you start believing certain things, you start to believe, I'm not worth being loved. Or, I have to always be strong and take care of myself. You bring those beliefs in a day, and then you act on them today. That's why you got to know the truth. And here's the other thing. The future also has zero control over you. It hasn't happened yet. May not even happen. But what you believe today about the future will absolutely control you. If you're fearful about the future, you'll make decisions today that may very well become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have to see what's true. And today is the day to see what's really true. You see, you have to change the way you think today. Change the way you think today and, and every day that is today. Or there is no hope for change. But that's exactly what God's Word can do for you is change the way you think and what you see. The Word of God will provide you with a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at life that will change everything. Consider Romans 12. It says, let God transform you into a new person. How? Read it with me. By changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You'll be able to get past your past. You'll be able to be free from all the things that used to control you. So Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, go take your word into their mess. And, and help them to see the truth and understand so that there's less and less mess and more and more blessed. Now, one of the things you're going to learn from God's Word about all this is that it ain't just going to happen. You have to choose to cooperate with God for this to work. And it, now, by the way, the Word of God is true whether you cooperate with it or not. It's always true, but the benefits only come through cooperating. And it will never happen by accident. Now, 
Let's think of a couple practical examples here. Isn't it true? By the way, let me ask you. You know, it's, 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 you know since our worship is early, it's not as bad. But it used to be when worship started at 11 o'clock. About 11.40, you could almost hear people's stomachs growling. But isn't it true that when you get really hungry, you get really motivated? Okay. It is true. You know, when I'm just a little hungry and you offer me Brussels sprouts, ah, no thanks, I'm all set. But the hungrier I get, the better those Brussels sprouts look. And God forbid, I might even eat liver. And when I'm really desperately hungry. Well, that's the way you need to be with God's word. You know, you don't read it. You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't really get into it. You don't spend the time with it. You don't devote yourself to understanding it and figuring out how to live by it. And you, and because you aren't hungry. You've got to decide to be hungry for it. You gotta, and sometimes, by the way, that's why God lets things keep happening in your life because you're not hungry enough yet. You're not desperate enough yet. So let's talk about another illustration. What if you, you know, go to the doctor and they do some tests and then you, you go home and, and then you get a phone call the next week and, and they talk to you and say, well, listen, um, you have cancer. And I never understood this. They said, let's see, okay, we can get you in in five weeks. I'm like, what do you mean? I have cancer. What do you mean? Wait five weeks. So let's say you finally get in the doctor and you get there and the doctor says, yeah, you really do have serious cancer, you know, and, and here's what I can prescribe for you. I'm going to send you home today with some SpongeBob Band-Aids and some Tylenol. How would you feel about that? Would you say, wait, 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 wait a minute. What, what about surgery and radiation and chemotherapy? I want to beat this thing. I want to do whatever it takes to beat this thing. But reality is in our lives, far too often, we're treating the Bible like Band-Aids and Tylenol. When the reality is that we have cancer in our souls that we desperately need to deal with. And the Word of God is that prescription. The truth that God tells us in his word is the prescription. So you see, you need to realize that you have cancer in your soul and so that you, you want to saturate yourself with the word of God. I've got to saturate myself with God's word. You need to read it. You need to wonder about it. You need to read it some more. You need to talk with God about it. And then you need to read a lot more. And then you need to get overwhelmed with it. And then you need to, to pick it up and read it again and ask someone else, please help me understand this. And then every time you understand something, it says, do it. Live by it. Don't hold back. Saturate your life with the Word of God. And you promise from God, you will make progress. We're talking about the nitty-gritty prescription. Yeah, one step after another. And here's the way it's going to go. Sometimes it's going to feel like you take three steps forward, two steps back. Charles Wendall wrote a book titled that years ago. But let's think about this. Three steps forward, 
oh man, everything falls apart. Two steps back. Oh, but now you're making progress again. Something's starting to make sense. Oh, but then somebody does something to you and you don't respond well. But then you believe God, you get up and you ask his forgiveness and you go forward with strength and then, you know, something happens, a health issue comes in and have I made progress? Yeah, I started there. And that's the way when you say, I'm going to let God get into my mess and, and begin to pull the things out that don't belong and strengthen the things that do so there's less and less mess. so I can make progress. You will make progress. Consider. Here's where it will take you. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this. He says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And abiding, he means remain in it. Stay in it. Let it you know, saturate your life with it. He says, if you'll do that, if you'll saturate your life with my word, he says, then... You're going to live it out. You'll be my disciple, not just in what you say you believe, but what's that last word? No, not that one. My disciples, indeed. Indeed. In your deeds, how you live. You'll be living out. And your life will be different. And this is when he says, when you do that, then you're going to know the truth in a way that sets you free. Anybody want to be free today? Got anything in your life you want to be free of? A few verses later, verse 36 of that chapter, Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from all those things that have held you captive. Know this, the nitty gritty Prescription will work. You will be sanctified. You will be free. Your life will be changed. And you will start getting past your past. And when we become a church full of people who are being changed by the truth of God's word, you know, whether... I mean, this focus has been largely on, you know, those of us who are in a situation where it's right in our face and the problems, it may be that you've been saved for a long time, you already dealt with a lot of that, but I guarantee you, still down here today, God wants to sanctify you. There's still stuff to be done. But when we become a church that is letting God sanctify us by connecting with his word, by experiencing the power of and the life of God that flows through the Word of God, it's going to be glorious to us. And it's going to be something that's going to be noticed by other people, and it'll be something we have to share with the world. It's already exciting coming to church with you. It's already exciting for me, seeing what God is doing, but this, oh, we could do so much more. So I challenge you today to fill the prescription. Get it filled. Nitty-gritty prescription. Get down to it. Do it today, tomorrow, the next day, for the rest of your life. And it'll change everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
for your word, that you speak to us about these things in our lives. I pray, Father, that we'll all be drawn here, Lord, to, to again saturate ourselves with your word and that you can change us, Father. For your glory and for our great blessing. I do pray, Father, if we have folks here today who've never made that decision once and for all to trust your Son as Savior, that if they understand that, that they would make the decision right now. And if they don't understand it, I pray they'd ask questions, ask someone, fill out a card, Lord, saying they want to know something, Father. Thank you that you loved us enough to provide us a way to be free. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.